0: Another week and another media freakout. And I'm not going to try to go back and rehash last week's show because I kind of felt I said my piece with the narrative crafting of the media and how we need to continue to move around it. But they just don't get it. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. CBS, this is... All right, John McCain passed away. And if you know me, you know I'm not a big fan of John McCain. But, in fact, I didn't even vote for him. That is the one election, presidential election, that I didn't even vote in. I know that sounds bad. I probably should have at least got up there and voted for the Libertarian Party. But, you know, when I mean, I even voted for Bob Dole up against Clinton. But John McCain, there's something about that guy that I was never a fan of. Of course, what he's done to the Middle East, I mean... We're going to get Gaddafi. We got him. Next is Assad. I think he's responsible for a lot of that. The fact that his office is also, uh, you know, his staff, to, his, his office was responsible for pushing a GOP side to the silencing of Tea Party organizations using the IRS as a way to push them down. So not a big fan of John McCain. But he did serve in the military and he also put service to his country in the way he saw fit into action and i'm not going to be one of those horrible people that will sit there upon his death and cheer believe it or not there's a lot of people online doing this it's unbelievable and these are the same people that tell us that we should have gun control because of the awful shooting in jacksonville florida at the video game uh championship for the Madden 2019 game tournament and we want to keep those victims and fam, uh, family and friends and relatives in our prayers and know that God's comforting them but here's the thing they're the ones that want to say hey we need gun control and then they're going to turn around and tweet John McCain's dead yay to heck with that guy you know or whatever they tweeted out it was just really disgusting stuff I don't even want to bring him up In fact, it was funny, my wife came to me uh, on Monday morning as we were getting ready, and she goes, I didn't realize so many people hated John McCain. She was like, can you give me, in a nutshell, the reason why John McCain is hated so much? And I was like, "Well, what are you talking about? She was like, I went on Facebook, and it was unbelievable. It was just people going on and on about John McCain, about how much they couldn't stand him. And I said, well, you know, there's some things I didn't like about him, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and trash him on the day of his death. It's unbelievable. So all of that said, John McCain and Donald Trump obviously didn't get along. And maybe there are some people that are going online and attacking Donald Trump because, or attacking John McCain because of this feud with Donald Trump and because of the fact that McCain turned around and got Barack Obama to speak at his funeral and didn't say anything to Trump about that, whatever the case may be. You know, if he wants to harbor that kind of animosity if he wants upon his death to be able to get revenge on Donald Trump and his statement about how he didn't consider him a war hero because he got caught which i mean as bad as that statement was um there is some sort of forgiveness you probably should start handing out upon your deathbed but regardless of all that the fact that that there is this feud going on or there was and the media has decided to take that narrative and elevate it with just obvious mistruths. I mean, that, and that goes back to last week's show on narrative crafting. You know, the narrative is John McCain hates Donald Trump and so do we. So what are we going to do? We're going to find something that makes it look as though Donald Trump is insensitive and thumbing his nose at John McCain upon his deathbed, like the people that were tweeting. And, of course, what they've said first was that, oh, he didn't come out with a tweet quick enough. He didn't come out with a, a you know, praiseworthy, eulogy style tweet immediately when John McCain was pronounced dead. I mean, it was amazing. They were like, he still hasn't tweeted. It was like tweet down, cl- or tweet clock. They put the clock up on the screen on CNN. They're counting down, because they use that clock for everything. But they're counting down the moments until... You know, they're going to say, oh, it took uh, 16 hours before Donald Trump tweeted out a, a praiseworthy uh, eulogy. I, it's unbelievable. So CBS decided to put this uh, this out as a post. Full staff. As American flags fly across the nation and they continue to remain at half mass to honor John McCain, the flag on the top of the White House has been brought to full staff less than 48 hours after the senator and war hero's death. Man, Trump, you'd say Trump is just a mean old guy, isn't he? He's just thumbing his nose at him. He's sitting there yanking the flag back up. He doesn't care about John McCain. He didn't even care about his service. Thanks, CBS. Never mind what is written in the code of the United States regarding flag, you know, stances, especially upon death. In Title IV... Chapter one, subsection seven, it basically lays out that the flag shall be flown at half mass 30 days from the death of a president or former president, 10 days from the death of a vice president and chief justice or retired chief justice of the United States or the speaker of the House of Representatives from the day of death until interment of an associate justice of the Supreme Court, a secretary of an executive or military department a former vice president, or the governor of a state, territory, or possession, and on the day of death and the following day for a member of Congress. The flag shall be flown at half-staff on Peace Officers Memorial Day and what have you. So basically they did exactly what the code required. You know, he died, they took it down to half-mast, did so the following day, he's a member of Congress, he's not House of Representatives Speaker, He's in the Senate. They raised it back up. So what was procedurally correct is considered a thumb in the nose in the face of the death of John McCain. That's how the media reported it. That's the problem with the media. It's the same thing. They went crazy over the fact that Donald Trump meets these kids in Ohio, and you know he's sitting there coloring with them, and he colors one of the stripes on the flag blue. And when I first heard it, somebody called me up and said, you see where Trump, their media's freaking out. Trump colored a striped blue. And I was like, really, that's an issue. That is a serious, you know, uh, outrage item. I mean, really? Well, and at first I thought, well, maybe he did it in the middle of the flag. And it was kind of like a thin blue line, like the, you know, Blue Lives Matter uh, police flags that you see. The I was thinking if that was the case, I would have been a heck of a troll. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been to sit there and go I'm going to color this blue line right in the middle of the flag so when the media freaks out they're going to realize I was actually doing it to troll them and to support the police departments across the country. That would have been awesome. But apparently it was actually further up on the flag and you know there was one person I, you know he was either being really funny or he was so outraged that and and sucked into the Russian collusion thing that he freaked out to that level but he had a picture of what Donald Trump did to the flag next to the color scheme of the Russian Federation flag. (laughs) So it was kind of funny in that respect to me, but if you were really offended and said, look, he's coloring it like the Russian flag. We got him now. Russian collusion. You're, you're off base. You're, you're just nuts. So that it's just, it's sickening to watch the media, especially with all the news that's going on in, in the world right now, especially in our country. You know, with the illegal immigration problems that we talked about last week. You know, with the, with the gun, the shooting that happened in Jacksonville. You know, we still don't have a motive on that, although it did come out that his Reddit page showed that he was not a big fan of Donald Trump. You know, he went on and on about that. But I don't think David Katz, the shooter who was involved in the uh, shooting at the uh, video game tourna- tournament in Jacksonville on Sunday, I don't think he had any political motivations Involved. I do think it's kind of odd that he got a gun from a place, Baltimore, which is extremely difficult to get a concealed carry permit for. And he took it all the way down to his video game conference, his tournament down there in Jacksonville, where he won, you know, last, I guess he won last year or the year before that. He was defending his championship. He goes into a gun free zone with a weapon. And so he, had intentions of bringing this gun for a reason i mean i don't know why he did but he walked in and then when he lost his game he starts shooting the place up again we're praying for the comfort of god's healing hand upon all those involved but that's my problem is that those stories go on and we're going to talk about some developments in the new mexico school shooting training islamic jihad compound which are disturbing on some levels and then there's some aspects that are really odd and the fact that one of them is really horrible with vehicles as crazy as that sounds we'll get into that here in just a bit but why is the news media not focused on these kind of things they're not even talking about the fact that there was a training camp where they were training kids to shoot up a hospital in atlanta that's one of the developments The fact that they were training them to shoot a school, they're not talking about any of that. They're concerned about Donald Trump pulling the flag half-mast on the White House and pulling it back up full-mast right after John McCain died as a big middle finger to John McCain. And to me, again, I'm not a big fan of John McCain, but the guy died. At least dignify his death at some level. Yeah, he was hanging out with jihadis in Libya, with Marco Rubio, but come on. The guy died. Give his family some space. And let's not turn this into some crazy politicization, political trolling, and just have some decency. Back in just a moment.
1: This is Adrian Slade.
0: Adrian Slade Broadcast. The media conniption fit continues. They always have this conniption fit over Trump. But there's a longer history than that. But here's the thing. I'm not going to spend much more time on this. I felt like last week we really kind of covered the media's narrative crafting cycle, how they go about picking the premise, getting supporting stories by leaving out a lot of details and the facts and how we overcome it by learning the facts through crowdsourcing Via social media, and that's why we're being shadow banned and removed and demonetized and what have you, because we're effectively destroying their their methodology. But it's a teachable moment. I'm not going to try to set myself in there and say, "Hey, you know, the media shouldn't be talking about these things because they should be talking about the big stories," and then spend half of my program talking about what the media is talking about instead of talking about the big stories. But I do want to just point this out because it's a very teachable moment. You know, president Trump, he basically went out and appeased them and lowered the flag for John McCain a little further. You know, the media wanted to go on and on about how he's thumbing his nose to John McCain because, you know, they didn't get along. So he's going to stay by the book, by the code and remove the flag from, you know, being half mast and raise it on up to being full mast on the technical, technical ending And avoid the long tradition of just keeping it down until the funeral, regardless of what the the code requires. Well, it's not much tradition with Donald Trump, and maybe he was, you know, thumbing his nose to a degree. But he was keeping it by the code. But the media, not able to discern whether or not that was his true intention or not, just went ahead and said, Oh, yeah, he's doing this because he's a prick and he hates uh, John McCain. I, you know, that's where it comes into play. There's no investigative uh, mindset about it. There's no curiosity. It's all just we're going to show how any sort of indiscretion, we can turn it into some, something big. You know, Kellyanne Conway sitting on her knees on the couch in the White House. That's a huge scandal to them. You know, things happening over in New Mexico, you know, whether or not it's tunnels being dug from KFCs, like, was it Pollo Los, Los, Los Loco, Poyos Hermanos, or whatever from Breaking Bad, and they're running drugs into Mexico and back and forth. Whether or not that is a story, whether or not the training camp, which we're going to get into here very soon, more new details coming out about this New Mexican training camp that we talked about two weeks ago, whether or not those are real stories, they get just blown away and covered by ridiculous stuff. Like like the flag being at, being raised to full mast on the technical day that the code requires for a senator. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy stuff like <laughs> CNN. This speaking of the New Mexico situation, this is how they covered it. New Mexico compound families struggled with life off the grid. Only they were training to shoot up schools, and they had. You know, all types of weapons, bulletproof vest, you know, they, yeah, they were running out of food and water. That was a big issue for them. But the fact that they were uh, basically stating that the three-year-old that died on the compound was going to be resurrected as Jesus, you know, coming back. That, yeah, that's not just struggling with life off the grid, CNN. But CNN reports this stuff that way. The news media is just egregious with how they go about reporting things. You know, with with Theresa May, you're talking about this situation in South Africa where the South African government is now seizing land from white landowners. Some have said it's a genocide. Some have said it's not. It's just simple uh, land confiscation. Regardless of that, they've targeted white people. (laughs) So, you know, there is that that kind of shows a running theme. But what do they do? (laughs) The way that they cover it, they basically say, well, you know, this is from what today? Today Magazine, South Africa, you have the support of Britain on Land Reform from Theresa May. Oh, that's great. Theresa May is out there, you know, praising the fact that the South African government is seizing land. Sometimes if they are offering to purchase it, it's like at one sixtieth of the cost. And they're leaving these people high and dry. They're taking it by force. There's been deaths. The toddler had been Boiled alive and drowned in boiling scalding water. I mean, this, you know, husband shot in front of their family. This is what's happening there, but yet the media coverage is, you know, laudatory of it. In fact, CBS News has this little story. Theresa May shows off her dance moves during a visit with school children in South Africa, and it will make you smile. Thanks, CBS. What won't make me smile is watching. A, a you know toddler get boiled to death. Yeah, that's not going to make me smile, and that's not something to dance about. But this is what they did with Obama. They do this with their heroes. With Obama, they were you know what? ISIS is up there cutting the heads off of our reporters, people that were captured in Syria and in Iraq, and they're making videos. And what do we do? Obama, he's going to go play around golf. And you know they can always say that. Um, well, you know, all presidents did the round of golf thing. Trump's played a lot of golf, George W. Bush. But this was like on the day of. I mean, as it's breaking, they ask Obama about it. And then he's like, I'm out of here. i am got some got some balls to hit, you know. But the media, that's how they operate. And, and the thing is, the funniest part about this was I was talking to somebody about this the other day about how, you know, they always say the media is never going to learn. Well, they're never going to learn. Because they've never operated as if they've learned even before Trump. Go back in history. Reagan, they made him out to be this forgetful, aloof moron. That's what they always did. They always said, Oh, he he forgot, you know. They and he's a warmonger. You know, they they painted a picture of Reagan, but Reagan had, because of his good orital skills, his communication ability, his ability to connect to the people. Which was very difficult. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram back then. It was just his charm, his way of putting things into perspective. He was able to circumvent those attacks. But then George H. Bush is in there and they make him out to be this war hawk. And, and you know, the no new taxes, read my lips, that all comes crashing down on him when, you know, Donald or when Bill Clinton runs against him and they throw the spoiler Ross Perot in there, who Ross Perot didn't have a good, healthy relationship with the Bushes. He couldn't stand them, which makes me wonder if that was the only reason why he ran. You know, split the vote, let Clinton win. But I mean, that all goes back to his company's uh, employees being uh, captive in Iran and how George H. Bush, you know, when he was in the CIA, didn't want to give any helping hand, so Perot said, I'm going and doing it my daggone self. But then you get into Clinton, and when he was in office, and oh, the saxophone on Arsenio Hall, look at him. Is it boxers or briefs? Why we're worried about the underwear choice of some dirty old politician, I I guess, you know, we would be worried about that same thing after he gets, you know, a BJ on the Resolute desk, you know, the fleshy humidor, Monica Lewinsky, where he's hanging out. And just, you know, talking to world leaders and getting his rocks off at the same time. Those kind of things get pushed under the rug as not a big deal. But then when you look at what happened when George W. Bush came in, oh, he's an idiot until suddenly his approval rating went through the roof after 9-11 because he was able to unite the country. But then they just destroyed him left and right every single day. But he never fought back. He never stood up to it. And then Obama gets into office, and they show him in Cuba dancing while ISIS people are beheading other reporters. You know, he's doing this nice little ballroom dancing with the stars move. You see him at baseball games with Raul Castro. You know, he's hanging out with Glozel with the green lips, you know, and uh, on YouTube. And, and no one said that that was unpresidential in the media. The media loved that stuff. They lapped it up. They were licking his sack. But then they had to face somebody like Donald Trump who can effectively avoid the media scrutiny by connecting directly to the people via social media. The fact that he actually punches back, whether or not you like his style, whether or not you feel it's presidential or not. I mean, I, again, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't support him in the primaries because I didn't know what we were going to get. I didn't know how he was going to handle his presidency, but we've got some great things. Embassy in Jerusalem, tax cuts, you know, Supreme Court justices, appellate court justices. I can't complain about those things. Those are things that were on my list. So, and I'm not going to just be against him because of it, because he is who he is. I'm not going to deny what my list is being checked off on because of who he is. But the media cannot stand his ability to fly around him through social media, and that's why they're mad. Back in a moment.
1: This is Adrian Slade.
0: Broadcast. Now, while the news media goes on and on about flags at half mast and being raised up as a middle finger to John McCain, and they go on and on about how on thehill.com, how they're reporting that Donald Trump has to unblock Twitter followers and users, and then they're going on about just silliness like Theresa May dancing with school children because, you know, she's for South African land reform. She's also for Syrian land reform as well. That's a whole nother story, which we've covered in the past. Go back to the podcast archives. But we go on and on about stupid stories like that. Also dumb stories like Cynthia Nixon, Miranda from Sex and the City whining and complaining about an upcoming debate with Andrew Cuomo about how she likes the temperature in the debate hall to be a nice, you know, comfortable 72 where Andrew Cuomo, Likes a sexist, crisp 65 degrees. you know, if it's cool in there, it's sexist. you know it's it's white male toxic masculinity or some crap like that. even though she worked on Hollywood sets for years with sex in the city that had pretty frigid controls. or or temperature controls because of the equipment that they're using, cameras, lights, what have you, recording equipment, editing equipment, all that stuff is usually, eh, it's pretty cool if you've been into any, you know, TV studio, even local news studios. But those are the stories that we're focused on, those little squirrels and distractions, you know, those Stormy Daniels and all that garbage. we, We just get wrapped up in that daily drama the soap opera drama of CNN versus Trump at all. But what we don't look at are the stories that are really happening. You know, two weeks ago, we covered, actually, it might have been three weeks ago, we covered that New Mexico jihadi training compound. So they've had some court proceedings. And apparently, what's interesting about it was they plan to target a hospital, they plan to attack a hospital in Atlanta. Now, if you remember, Abdul Ghani Wahaj, the three year old toddler that was reported missing from his home, was missing from Atlanta, Georgia, back December 10th, 2017. And Taos News kind of talked a little bit about what was going on. The fact that, you know, there were 16 people hidden behind a wall of tires in a, a dirt track, down a dirt track in a compound where a team of enforcement officials made its way past a no trespassing sign, arrested two men, detained three women, placed 11 children ranging from 1 to 15 years old into protective custody. One child could not be found, and that would be Abdul Ghani Wahaj, a toddler who was reported missing from his Georgia home back in December 10th of 2017 by his mother. But of course, later in the month, we learned that the remains of the three-year-old matching Abdul Ghani was located on the premises. Now, here's a story that kind of gets into the details of what was going on on that location. Sir Wahaj, who's related to the imam from Brooklyn, Sir Wahaj, that Linda Sarsour said was a mentor. He was also an co- uh, unindicted co-conspirator in the World Trade Center 1993 bombing. And also, yeah, he uh, was, you know, with the blind sheik. I think he represented the blind sheik who died in jail, which, you know, no one... Cried about that (laughs) when that happened. But they were all involved with the conspiracy. What Sirha Wahaj, the the senior, the imam, and the blind sheik on the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Yeah, Linda Sarsour's mentor, his son, Ha Wahaj, I guess junior. They don't call him that in in this story. And Lucas Morton, a man who lives at the property. This is a New Mexico compound that was set up like it looked like a giant paintball course. Neighbors complained of always hearing assault weapons being used and had to call because of noise complaints. You know, it was it was a desolate area. He, he was arrested for, they were arrested for harboring the accused fugitives served with warrants while in custody at the Taos Adult Detention Center on earlier charges. Three women, Jannie LaVille, 35, Herwaj Wahaj, 38, and... Subhana Wahaj, 35, who law enforcement believes are the mothers of the 11 children, were arrested without incident in Taos and booked in the Taos Adult Detention Center. According to Clayton County Police, the toddler and his father had last been seen December 13th traveling with two adults and five children in Alabama when they were involved in a single vehicle accident on Interstate 65. Now, like I said earlier in the show, there's some weird events when you get into the court proceedings, which we're going to cover here in a few minutes, there's some strange things that happen. And there's also some really weird happenstance incidents with vehicles that, I mean, just really unlucky with the vehicles. But anyways, so they get into this uh, single vehicle accident on Interstate 65. The Alabama officer who talked to the group after the accident said they indicated that they were traveling to New Mexico for a camping trip. Yeah, they're going to a little camping, you know, a little. it's not like a KOA campsite or something. You know, it's all—it's going to look like a jihadi, you know, training center. But, you know, the grit was picked up in a 2006 Ford box truck with Delaware tags. Uh, police told the media the license plate was registered to Lucas Allen Morton of Atlanta, who is a man who lived at the property that we're going to talk about. Seven months ago, the woman said she is the boy's mother, Hakimi Ramiz. Um, She made a plea via Facebook video asking for people to help find her son, that he needs medication because he's got seizures and things of, he's got serious medical issues that he deals with. It was unknown as of the press time why Wahaj traveled to New Mexico, but evidence has emerged that the group encountered its first difficulties in June when a landlord-tenant restitution case was filed against Morton in Taos Magistrate Court. The property had been leased in the sparsely populated Costilla Meadows subdivision, a couple miles from the Colorado border, it bears resemblance to a partially built earthship, on an ecologically designed structure made popular in northern New Mexico. A wall made of glass bottles bound by mud marked the entrance to the property. A white box truck, possibly the same one they'd driven from Alabama months ago, was still parked on the property. Tarps flapped across covered spaces behind walls of tires stacked in the half-circle around the property's uh, perimeter, which contained a partially buried travel trailer, an earth berm, and other small structures. A neighbor in the area who agreed to interview on condition of anonymity said he knew all 16 of the people living at the dwelling and felt disgusted following the arrest and detainments. We've lived out here for four years, he said. Out of all the people that come out here, they were the most kindest people I ever met. Of course, they're going to be if they're going to try to hide these little training centers. But the neighbor added that he would make a weekly trip with the family to get food and water and believe the children were well cared for. But reports from law enforcement hinted that something was amiss at the compound where Wahaj and others lived. When the sheriff said in his press release, the FBI didn't feel there was enough probable cause to enter the property, the sheriff said that all changed for him when a Clayton County police detective relayed a distress message he believed to have come from within the compound. We are starving and need food and water, the message read. The sheriff said he thought it was enough to obtain a search warrant, formed a multi-agency tactical team, and made entry into the property. I absolutely knew that we couldn't wait on another agency to step up, and we had to go to, the, to check out the situation as soon as possible. So he began working on a search warrant and got the intercepted message and pushed through. The sheriff said Wahaj and Morton both Initially refused to follow verbal commands given by officers, Wahaj was also allegedly heavily armed with an AR-15, five loaded 30-round magazines, and four loaded pistols, including one in his pocket when he was taken down according to a press release. The sheriff described the conditions at the property as filthy and said the residents were poorly clothed without shoes and appeared to have had limited access to food supplies consisting of a few potatoes and a thing of rice. Now, what's interesting is after they got into the compound and found that they were planning on shooting up government buildings, schools, and now it's come out that they were targeting a specific hospital in Atlanta, this happened.
1: This is what the compound looked like before the latest raid, and this is what it looks like today. The RV at the center of this compound has been ripped out, and a lot of the walls have been destroyed. Following a court order, yesterday police seized the RV where 11 children and 5 adults lived in what was described as squalor, saying it was stolen. The underground tunnel where the remains of 3-year-old Abdul Wahaj were found now covered up. While ammo and a bulletproof vest among a pile of trash still uncollected. This on the heels of 4 of 5 suspects granted release from jail pending trial. One of the suspects detained by ICE agents overnight. I haven't heard of a single person that's been in favor of the ruling that came down. It's a case that started with a dead child and an alarming threat. Five adults, described by authorities as extremists, abusing 11 children on an isolated compound while training the kids to use an assault rifle in preparation for future school shootings, according to court documents. Threats so concerning, local schools scheduled lockdown drills today to prepare for an active shooter. Tonight, the DA planning to appeal the judge's ruling to release the suspects, but the court defending the decision, saying the state failed to prove the suspects posed a direct threat to the community only leading to more questions about how this investigation is being handled.
0: Bizarrely enough, they decided, the state officials and a court order, decided to destroy the compound. Why in the world did they destroy the compound? And what's even interesting is, some of them had been on the FBI's radar for years. Of course, known wolves by the FBI, yet again, the FBI is suspect in this whole thing. It was local officials that conducted the entire investigation through its multi-agency tactical force that we talked about earlier. Now, the Clarion Project said that within the compound from the court documents that I'm going to cover in the next segment, that they included plans for phases of terrorist attacks. The documents were entered as part of a motion by the prosecutors asking the judge to reconsider a previous ruling that allowed five adults charged in the case to go free on a bond without uh, until their trial. The documents included phases of terrorist attacks, which included comments on attacking specific targets such as teachers, schools, banks, other corrupt institutions, including Atlanta's Grady Memorial Hospital, one of the largest hospitals in the southeast. Prosecutors revealed other documents recovered from the compound, which included instructions, among others, for one-time terrorist, the use of choke point, the ideal attack site. A sniper position detection procedure. I mean, it's an unbelievable the things that they found. Based on the information in the re- recovered documents, prosecutors asked that the five be held in prison until their trial. Children at the compound have told police that Morton stated he wished to die in jihad as a martyr. Well, that's kind of concerning. And Lavelle, who is Haitian, and Subhana Wahaj would laugh and joke about dying in jihad. They said LaVille intended to uh, confront corrupt institutions or individuals such as the military, big business, CIA, teachers, schools, and reveal the truth to these corrupt institutions or individuals, according to the court documents. Now, LaVille is the same individual who was transferred to the custody of Immigration and Customs Enforcement because she has been unlawfully present in the United States for more than 20 years after overstaying the validity of her non-immigrant visitor visa. She's from Haiti. So she's hanging out with jihadists, training kids in a camp that's looking to shoot up schools, government buildings, banks, and what have you. Should be a news item, don't you think? Back in just a second.
1: This is Adrian Slade.
0: The Adrian Slade Broadcast. Welcome back. We've been talking about... This jihadi training camp that was in New Mexico with the son of the Brooklyn imam, Sirha Wahaj, who's Linda Sarsour's mentor, who is also an unindicted co-conspirator for the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and also represented the blind sheik who was involved with the conspiracy of that bombing. Um, We were talking about how there was a Haitian refugee who had overstayed her visa for 20 years. She was involved with Wahaj's sisters. They were all caught at this compound. And the court documents came out the other day. And the news media is really not really focusing on it. In fact, the same court that basically signed off on a signature bond and said, yeah, they're no threat to society. They can go about their business and just be out in the public until it's time for their court date. Yeah, that same court decided to demolish the evidence. Unbelievable. For some reason, the FBI had been monitoring all these people for years, and immigration, they didn't even know that this person overstayed her visa for 20 years. Sirha Wahaj being monitored constantly by the FBI. Nothing happens until local authorities decide, hey, we got to do something about this because these people are living in squalor, and there's something going on over there that we're kind of, wondering about. They got the opportunity to obtain a warrant legally. They had every right to do so because they were basically putting out messages that we need food and water. And the police said, you know, that's a serious issue. Then gave them an opportunity to get in there. So getting into the court documents, it's really interesting because a lot of it gives you, you know, precedence on why they were able to do some of the things that they did and and why certain, certain, um, you know, methods were taken, but, and it's not a real lengthy court doc, it's about 13, 14 pages, but they said that um, information presented at the hearing that defendant Sir, Sir Haj Wahab took a child from Georgia, that he made statements that he was taking the child off his medications, and that the other children in the compound made statements that religious rituals were performed on the child, and that he died as a consequence. Yet... There's no outrage by the media about that. There's no uh, law enforcement. They just let him go on his own recognizance, I guess. Signature bond, and we'll see in a bit. The child's body was found on the compound. Why would you let these people go when there is a obvious murder case <laughs> on the compound? But that's in the court documents. Um, some of the other documents that come up, or some of the other key points in the document was the state's evidence included testimony by FBI Special Agent Travis Taylor, who testified about statements made to him by two of the children affirming that they had been trained in advanced firearms handling and had been instructed to shoot law enforcement um, personnel when the time came and that they would be instructed in the future to attack specific targets such as teachers, schools, banks, other corrupt institutions. The testimonial evidence was supported by the presence in the residence of a DVD concerning how to build an untraceable assault rifle at home. Look, they're not using 3D printing either, okay? So calm down on the 3D printing BS. (laughs) But anyways, a book on the psychology of combat and an FBI email reflecting a neighbor's complaint that the men were practicing too much with their assault rifles. Which, you know, assault rifle is kind of a, a moot point of a term. But anyways, perhaps the strongest evidence on this point was not analyzed or even mentioned in the court ruling. The exhibit is a letter delivered by defendant Lucas Morton to Muhammad, the brother of defendant Sirha Wahaj. It encourages Muhammad to follow Allah until he makes you die as a martyr as you wanted. And the only way is by joining the righteous. In this day and age, To die as a martyr is a clear reference to violent jihad and uh, attacks of terror. The reference was reinforced by the uh, admonition that you take all your money out of the bank and bring your guns. (laughs) It gets even better. Included in the documents are instructions for one-time terrorists instructed to use uh, the use of choke point, a location called the ideal attack site, the ability to defend the safe haven, the ability to escape perimeter rings, sniper position detection procedure. That's all documented um, and marked as state's evidence, Exhibit 38. New interviews with some of the children revealed that Lucas Morton stated he wished to die as a martyr. At times, Janie Laville, the Haitian refugee, would laugh and joke about dying in jihad, as would Subhana Wahaj. One of the children assisted in the washing of... Abu um, Ghani's body after he died and that the body would be washed once a week at first and then every two days. Additionally, the regular washing of the body would sometimes be used as a tool of punishment against one of the children if he disobeyed request of the adults or showed disrespect. Interviews with some of the children revealed that Ms. LaVille intended to confront corrupt institutions or individuals such as military, big businesses, CIA, teachers, schools, and reveal the truth to these corrupt institutions or individuals. Sir Wahaj was to accompany Ms. Leville as she did this. If individuals or instructions were not persuaded by Leville's message, then Ms. Leville would provide a signal, then Sir Haj would shoot or otherwise attack the non-believer. This plan would go into effect upon Ghani's resurrection. Yeah, they believed he was gonna resurrect himself as the coming of Jesus Christ, I guess. This plan would go into effect upon Ghani's resu- uh, resurrection. A specific corrupt institution named by one of the children was Grady Hospital. D- Janie LaVille, in her journal, expressed her displeasure for Grady Hospital, which is located in Atlanta, Georgia, due to treatment she and her mother received there. Further, Sir Hodge told a group if, that if police ever came to the property, they were to defend it using firearms. In recent interviews, also disclosed the group's intended uses for the tunnel found on the property. Some of the children stated that if police arrived, the group would use the tunnel as an escape route from the main compound why Sirhaj and Mr. Morton stayed behind and battled police. A new piece of evidence found and authored by defendant Jamie Laville was a journal that basically, listen to this, this gets crazy. She recounts that one of her children possessed some form of telepathic abilities and could hear Ms. LeVille's thoughts. She attributed it to the ability to djinn, which is supernatural entities that can inhabit the bodies of humans and may be benevolent or malevolent. Much of Ms. LeVille's journal consists of accounts of these entities terrorizing the group in several ways, taking possession of bodies of members of the group, to inhabiting vehicles and causing car wrecks and accidents, which they actually had an accident where they uh, ran into a gas pump. So they're not really proficient with the vehicles here. Or they always have some crazy thing happen to them. Now, she describes the conception and gestation of Abu Ghani in her. I mean, she talks about how um, Hakima Razi, the uh, actual birth mother of the... Uh, the three-year-old that was found on the premises, the body remains that were found of him on the president's, used black magic and was able to remove the fetus from LaVille's womb and had the, famous, uh, the fetus transferred to Ramsey's room, womb. I mean, just straight insanity. So, yeah, they, they've stopped at a at a... Arkansas gas station, and while at the gas station, they accidentally drove their truck and bumped into the size of the side of the gas pump's hose and broke it. And due to the damages, Morton left his phone number so arrangements could be made to compensate the owner for the uh, for the damaged gas pump. All these things kind of, you know, led to the investigation of them at their compound. But they obviously had some serious issues. I mean, to think that he, the three-year-old was going to be resurrected as Christ and that one of them was Joseph, which they said later on, they all had some, some sort of biblical uh, references to their role in the group. They were insane. And the fact that they're training on an undisclosed compound and no one even really cared until local authorities decided to chime in, that's disturbing. I mean, and the fact that the, they decided to let him go free... I mean, after reading all of that, about how, how Ms. Laville, the Haitian refugee, was saying that one of the kids used her powers and through black magic transferred the fetus of Abdul Ghani to another woman? I mean, why would you let these people go free? Especially given the fact that they've made credible threats against institutions such as schools, such as banks, such as, you know, hospitals. And one in particular. We need to be taking these stories and putting them to the forefront and shoving out dumb stories like you know, the president making the flag go to full mass a day after John McCain died. Silly distractions like that. Because we've got serious threats with immigration, with terrorism, all looming within our borders. We should be taking these things seriously instead of just being distracted with dumb CNN wrestling memes, freaking out CNN and making them livid over the fact that they're called fake news. The real news are stories like this. And local authorities are the only ones that seem to be concerned about it. Our federal authorities don't. And the court system doesn't. I mean, it's amazing to me. I'm Adrian Slade, thanks for tuning in. You can listen to us every weekend on Mojo50, the new platform for libertarian, conservatarian, conservative talk. Also, check out the podcast iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, and various other podcast platforms. Get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. Also, you can donate patreon.com/slash Adrian Slade Show, $2 a month or whichever amount you wish. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. We'll see you guys next time.